0: Hey guys, welcome back to the BCM and the AM. We're so excited you decided to join us today. It's me, your host, Zach Bingham, and our fearless leader, Rodney Norville. Hey, everybody. So today is the second episode in, in spiritual gifts. And so last time we did all the different ones that are fairly easy to explain, like teaching and preaching and administration and all these different things. This time, we get to do all the ones that are going to be really hard on us to try to explain. <laughs> well, we're going to do our best. So Not all the ones that are hard to explain. Right, it's just all.
1: maybe, I call them, they're just a little more um, freer kind of gifts. And the I expression like of them is freer. So um, And they're not tied to an office, necessarily. prophecy maybe, because we do have prophets in the Old Testament. But like you can't have the office of faith. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's a little bit more up for interpretation, I guess,
0: yeah. all these would be. Totally agree. And I, that was way better said than I said it. So listen to his thoughts <laughs> on that instead of mine. Anyway, so what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are found all across the New Testament and in some of Jesus's speaking and a lot of Paul's letters and a little bit of Peter's letters, too. So we know that they're legit. We know that these things are real. And so we need to talk about them. So one of the things that I like is that the word spiritual, when it's looked at in Greek, is charisma. It's charismatic. That that word Mm -hmm. defined means grace. So it's gifts of grace for the people of God. And who are they for? They're for believers. So it's post-salvation gifts of grace, Mm -hmm. empowered by the Holy Spirit that God places on the life of the believer. And part of of this uh,
1: episode that will be a little more clear is... Most of these we really do interpret as being supernatural, yes. whereas the others can be often confused with secular. We have secular teachers. We have yep. secular administrators. We do not usually have secular prophets right. or, or right. secular faith, even though that could be a podcast and talking about how some things that are secular are turned religious yeah. because people religiously believe in them or have rituals surrounding them. But yeah. anyway, that's... Extra. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> it's days. extra. It's
0: extra for sure. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So one of the things we need to remember as we go into this, these spiritual gifts are not for the person that exudes them. They are for the empowerment of the believer for the building up of the church. 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. All they're empowered by the Holy Spirit who gives each of these individually as he wills. So... He distributes mm-hmm. individually, as he wills, for the empowerment of the church. Mm-hmm. Got it? Got it. <laughs> so, can you have multiple? Yes, you can have multiple. We said that in the last episode. Yeah. If you want to hear a longer breakdown on all this, please pause, go back, listen to the last <laughs> episode. We love explaining it a little bit more. Where are they found in the Bible? Here's some quick verses. Romans 12, 6-8. 1 Corinthians 12, 6-11. 1 Corinthians 12 28 first peter four eleven, and then there's several mentions throughout the gospels where jesus is talking about them and a couple in like first timothy um, that we see in the new testament mm-hmm. so here's some things we need to preface all of this about number one what is the best way to discover these is to go out and try them. <laughs> yeah, it's really to, be, to listen to
1: the discernment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells you, try this, you try this. That's right. You're successful with it. That's the best way. Uh, another is affirmation from believers that are around you who see you doing something and realize that it's been gifted upon you by the Holy Spirit. So
0: you'll see affirmations uh, from people when you use your spiritual gift. They'll recognize it in you. Yeah, totally agree. And I think one of the things that, especially this list, not, not only the last list, but especially this list, is that people are afraid of these. Some of them, yeah. Some of them, yes. Some <laughs> of them they're afraid of. So, that's what, one of the things I wanted to say. is like If they're gifted by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to have these particular gifts, there's no need to be afraid of these things. And as you go in community, right, it is long work in community to find out if you're going to do or be... Mm-hmm have one of these things, then you can figure out if you are or not. Some people are. And it's incredible to see them used in the power of the Holy Spirit to build up the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to be really careful to know that that is the specific use of it, is to build up the church of Jesus Christ. Right. It's for His kingdom, His glory, His church, Yeah. not for us. Yeah. So there's going to be ones like we talk about, Prophecy, like we talk about, you know, um wisdom, knowledge, healing, faith, intercession, discernment of spirits, all these different ones that when we say, practice them. You're gonna be like, I have no idea what that looks How like. How to even start with that. Yeah. And so that's why we say community. You need yeah. community. A lot of times the Holy Spirit does things in community that's very different than when he does things when you're just alone. And so you need to be in community to discover your spiritual gifts. I will beat that like a drum as we go through this. (laughs) Yeah. And it really helps you not get off track, especially with these. It helps you not get off track to do this. Mm -hmm. So, and I would say that even involves, um, I know I'm getting off track here, but (laughs) that even involves teaching in the last episode is you need community to help you in your teaching to know how to teach better, to know how to teach well, to know how to stay on track when you are teaching people. Mm -hmm. So there you go. It's not just here. It's not just like you can lump these spiritual gifts here, you can lump these spiritual gifts there, and we're good. Mm -hmm. They're all considered things that, firstly, describe something about Jesus that he did, and secondly, are a gift of Jesus on us. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. You may hear some of these and think of somebody that comes to mind, and maybe you should go talk to them about it. That may be something to talk to them about. You may hear some of these and have no idea what to do with them. That's fine. We're going to talk about them anyway. (laughs) Second thing is, again, community. These are not offices. These are gifts, and you need to know in community if you are or not gifted to them. So, let's kick it off with... Prophecy. <laughs> hey, like,
1: I think this is a very churchy word. Uh, prophets are really not talked about anywhere except scripture or religiously, I guess we should say, because there are prophets for other religions. but uh, So it's a very churchy word. But what does it really mean? Literally, it means to speak before. It's somebody who spoke before the people. They were a mouthpiece from God to the people. In other words, God had a message that he needs to give them. To get out to the people and do that. And so they spoke truth. Mm -hmm. They proclaimed uh, what God wanted. um, And they proclaimed it in a way that the people could understand. It was usually for calling them back, either repentance or a direction that they needed to go, calling them away from idolatry, calling them away. And this is the way I would put this in terms for us in the church today. A true prophet or somebody with the gift of prophecy has the ability to look into the situation and culture with which we're in and say, if we continue to do these things, we are going to wind up in this place. And they're continually saying we need to correct that in order to wind up following God. Mm -hmm. Not to do that. So they're usually outspoken people. Uh, They're usually people who have the discernment to say like, hey, we don't follow, follow culture. We follow God. Yeah. We don't follow popularity. We follow the Bible. You know, I mean, like, these are things that they do. They have a sense of authoritarianism when they speak. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who want to be authoritarian, but they may not rest their truth on scripture. Yeah. So you have to watch that. And they're usually uncompromising. Like, it's it's my way or the highway. You know, it's like, follow God or we're going to die. (laughs) I mean, like it's yeah. it's harsh and a lot of people don't want to hear that so they're not usually prophets are usually not high on the compassion mercy list yeah like they're usually the other extreme like I'm gonna hurt you and I'm gonna hurt you bad <laughs> because we gotta get this right you know yeah and you don't have this is also like there are tons of people who probably stand in line wanting to be a leader like I said that's an American concept is pull the people get out in front and then you're the leader yeah you know that kind of deal oh that is not a prophet yeah. <laughs> The prophet is like, I don't really want this job. Do I really have to say this, God? Like, you know, like yeah. they know that there's going to be pushback from the people, and that they have a very high chance of making somebody yeah. mad at them. Yeah, because they're convicting. Yeah, and so usually people aren't standing in line to be the role of prophet. <laughs> you made me
0: think of the prophet Jeremiah and yeah, Old Testament. I mean, <laughs> he just like all the time. God would be like, you need to tell the people this. He's like, no, I, I don't want to say that. He's like, you have to say it. He'll go and say it, and they throw him in a pit for 10 days. Yeah, you know, They
1: treated him in terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And that's often prophets. I don't want to say they're lonely people, but a lot of times prophets are not appreciated. Uh, and, you know, the true test of a prophet, if you read the New Testament, the true test of a prophet is if what they say comes true. Yep. So over and over again, we see that example in the Old Testament because... That Old Testament a lot of its history, so we get to see, hey, they didn't listen to the prophet, yeah. they kept worshiping idols, and therefore God punished them, or took you know his blessing, his hand of blessing away from them. Yeah, um, which is makes it hard today, um, in in always in your current situation, it's hard to realize a prophet because it hasn't worked itself out
0: yet.
2: Yeah,
1: um, but you know I can even look in at. at um, Somebody who I do think is prophetic is somebody like a Billy Graham. And I look at them and I think, like, hey, he's right. Like, if if our nation had repented, if the people in our country had repented, we'd be in a different place today than what we, we are yeah. now. Um, so, yeah, I think there are still prophets that got it. I, I, some people believe that this was an office that was just Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah or just until we got the Bible. There are people that believe prophecy was necessary until we got the Bible, but once we have God's scripture, that's not necessarily we read the scripture and that directs us. I do think there are people today that have the spiritual gift of prophecy and can tell us, um, call us to repentance, call us to to follow God more closely and not, you know, follow idols or different things, you know?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, especially with that, gift of prophecy is so two things firstly we need to um, separate the common pop christian pop culture thing of where a worship leader goes up and says i want to prophesy that this happens and what they're saying is i want to speak in faith in an expectation that god will move in this way yeah i think that's different than what prophecy actually is yeah I think that leans more in, in the realm of faith. I think in terms of prophecy, I think it's exactly what you said, Rodney. And I think along with that, is it is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we're going to beat that drum hard right now. Because these in particular, I think that we can secularize by running the other direction so like it's not that they're common it's that they're uncommon and we trying to draw mental pictures and yeah. lines to uncommon things that we see well we and, do that and here the danger i think of prophecy when we're talking
1: in religion too is um, the word voodoo is coming to my mind but what i'm uh, talking is, is yeah. fortune telling and like this is the future like i see the future like that is like the movie version Mm -hmm. Uh, of a prophet is like somebody who can see the future and they're going to a medium or something. This is not the spiritual gift of prophecy. Um, now I'm not saying that God can't give you dreams or visions or other things like that. The scriptures speak to those things happening, but that's not the spiritual gift of prophecy. The spiritual gift of prophecy is always for us to
0: follow God. It's not
1: about future casting.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think one of the things that, um, Paul specifically says is that he says to test the spirits, like, test things. So, like, if you suspect somebody is having a prophetic word that's being said, don't just grab it and run with it. Like, test that sucker. Like, (laughs) you know, I'm serious because there are plenty of people that have said... The world's gonna end by the Mayan calendar in twenty whatever, oh, yeah. and the whole world turns upside down because everybody's yeah. freaking out, and nothing happens. Yeah, and it's because they didn't test it against scripture. If they went and looked at scripture, they would say, "No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nothing's gonna happen." That you know, yeah, not even the not even the sun knows the yeah. time. So what makes you think you know? And so like there are certain things that like if somebody says them, you need to go look at scripture because scripture will always point you back to. Yeah the Father, and if they are in line, and I'm not saying they are out of context in line, I'm saying in context, in Scripture, in line, you may be seeing something serious. Yeah. Discernment of the spirits, I
1: think, is very important, and where this gets uncomfortable are some people, we're, we're modern Americans, um, yeah. some people in the meta- modern world want to deny the existence of a spiritual realm, of yep. angels, demons, which are mentioned in the Scripture. Yep. Um Satan himself is said to parade as an angel of light, mm-hmm. uh, deceiving, and that's usually how he succeeds in deceiving us: is he takes some truth and then twists it. He yeah. tried to do that even when he tempted Jesus, and Jesus, is like, hey, that's not going to work on me. I like am the word. I am. So, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you know, so, but um, you know, there are many people who would like to be God. Yeah. And we have to watch, and spiritually discern, um, who is God,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that, and the Scripture greatly helps us do that. Yeah. That's one of the greatest gifts He has given us: is the Scripture to discern. And He tells the Bereans that He like compliments Paul, compliments the Bereans, yeah. and says, "Hey, like everything I've spoken, the Bereans have gone back to their." you know, scriptures and yeah. said, like, is this true? Oh, yeah, there it is in scripture. Okay, we're good. Paul. Yeah, it's right there. You know, I mean, they didn't treat Paul badly because they wanted to, you know, and Paul yeah. wasn't offended. Paul was actually complimented oh, by yeah. that and saying, like, absolutely, that's what you do. Test what I say against scripture. You know, I mean, yeah. look at it. And so that's what we're to do with spirits. You have a dream? Okay. Does it line up with scripture? Yeah. You know, I mean, is it something that you hold to? To yourself, or is that something that God is intending for you to share with people? Yeah. Test it with Scripture. Make sure that you know. And I will say it's a Jewish concept. It's actually a, a, a really good one. Look to affirmation for things. If you feel like you're discerning something, you're going to see it in Scripture, you're going to feel it in your heart as a holy. As a believer mm-hmm. and a follower of the Holy Spirit, and other believers that you know are following after God are going to affirm it. Yep. So when you have those kind of checks and balances, I feel like pretty good about you can discern things. Yeah. But we're talking the spiritual gift of discerning spirits. There are people that uh, don't have to do as much research. I'll put it that way. Yeah, in discerning, yeah, a spirit. That is a great way to say it. They don't because they innately in their gut know. Yeah. They can just bang, no. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have people, and it scares us to death sometimes, but you have people sometimes that hear things and go, that's not of God. Yeah. You know, what you said is just not of God. That's not of the Holy Spirit. And that petrifies us because I think sometimes as believers, we're afraid to speak out. Sometimes we are like, what if I am saying something that is wrong? You know, what if somebody confronts me about something or anything? and So we don't speak up out of that fear. But this is why this gift is important. Mm-hmm. Because this gift can say, hey, listen, I feel like that's off track. I don't yeah. feel like that's of the Holy
0: Spirit. We need to pray more about this. Yeah. I think that one of the areas that if, if I'm thinking about this as something that Jesus did, I would say, obviously, his ability to cast out demons would fall under this and his discerning that. But I think it would also fall underneath the same time in which Peter said, no, you're not going to be sacrificed on the cross. And he looked back at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. I, yeah, I have no, yeah, you know, I don't. I don't want any of that. And I think that's Jesus addressing the fact that like what was just spoken was not of the Father mm-hmm. and was not of the Holy Spirit. And so I think you're you're dead on to Rodney. I totally agree that somebody that's particularly because it isn't just a gifting; it's a supernatural gifting that we're talking right. about. Somebody that's supernaturally gifted in discerning spirits, they can just. I mean, they it's it is the yeah. weirdest thing in the world, but it is so cool. <laughs> they just know. Yeah. And I think somebody with this is also really good in church settings when a person that's preaching or teaching something starts to starts to hook a little in the wrong direction, like their red flag goes off before anybody else's does, and they're like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh," like well, yeah. you you veered the wrong way, and oftentimes, I think of this person in particular as being somebody that's willing to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, I may be wrong on this. But I'm pretty sure I'm not. I think you need to go back and look at it. And having a humility to yeah. not pridefully walk in and do that is
2: yeah. very difficult. And
1: I would say too, we um, you know, we're Americans, we live in a modern society. We don't like to talk about angels and demons very yes, much. But I also say one of the place where this gift can be imperative is what we actually are more in danger of in our culture is probably following after secular humanism mm. and following after the belief in ourself as being God. And so this person would also have the ability to say, hey, that's really coming from a place of your self-importance yeah. Yeah. and not from God. Yeah. So like, it's not just the angels, demons side of things, but it's also our own self, our own pride and self that comes out and... Yeah. and and discerning is that a prideful spirit
0: hmm. or
1: is that
0: you know are you speaking that truth humbly from scripture yeah i think also and i know i know we're going on and on about this but i think that this one is particularly important because i think this particular gift is able to work with all these other ones that we're talking sure. like very effectively yeah so this person in particular you know paul talks about being careful of the doctrine of demons. I know that sounds very alliterative, but it and sing-songy, but it's serious. He's saying like any other religion that pulls forth right. is basically a, a theology taught by demons or is spin-off done by the devil. Yeah. So like things that we see like ancient Gnosticism, that would be a thread of truth twisted and somebody ran with it. Is right. exactly what the devil loves to do. Somebody with the gift of spirits would probably be able to tell the difference. Well, and we've yeah. talked about, too, and cults and other things in there. Yeah.
1: And Mormonism, you know, scriptures our scripture says, you know, what if even an angel comes to you and, and presents yeah. another gospel than the gospel I presented? It's false. It's not true. And so seeing through that, because if you ask a Latter-day Saint, do they believe in Jesus, they would say yes. But they're not really following Yeah, scripture. They're actually following after... An angel and, and, you know, and other stuff that is extra biblical, which somebody with the discernment of the Holy Spirit would say, like, this is not, this is not the same gospel. There's differences here.
0: Yeah. So. Totally agree. So the next one is intercession. Ronnie, do you want to give us a better definition of what intercession actually, like the word itself actually means? well interceding for somebody is
1: like you're you're petitioning god on somebody else's behalf like mm-hmm. you are going in as the mediator in between God and someone else and um we intercede in prayer you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier look let's look to Jesus like when he drove his disciples tried to drive out a demon they couldn't do it and then they ask him later he comes up and drives it out right away and they're like Jesus why couldn't we drive out the demon he's like well this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting and stuff like that. And they didn't have the experience to know the difference. Yeah. But Jesus obviously in that moment is saying, like, intercession is important, like for you mm. to pray yeah. and How fast yeah. on behalf of the deliverance of other people. Mm. Um, we intercede when we want to see people come to Christ. Mm-hmm. Like they're not praying yet because they don't believe yet. Yeah. So they need somebody who's praying. To say, Lord, draw them to yourself. Lord, open their mind. Mm-hmm. Lord, you know, clear, that let them be true. willing to ask for forgiveness. We intercede for Christians, other Christians, mm-hmm. that are uh, need repenting for some sin in their life. They may not be convicted yet of that oh. sin or may not realize that sin or it may be an, actually an innocent sin as a Christian, but... We need other Christians who are saying, like, this is not of God. You need to root this out of your life. This is and we intercede on their behalf until they are convicted by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's a very important line to say is until they're convicted by the Holy Spirit, not convicted by the intercessor. Yeah. Because I think we do have pride and self-righteousness gets a hold of us and we've got something under control. And then we see it in somebody else's life and we want to convict them of that. Yeah. That is not the same as intercession intercession is I'm going to God yeah to pray that God helps them see the sin in their life that needs to be got out so we step in between we intercede we we step in between God and this person for whatever is needed for
0: whatever help goes on there oh yeah I think it makes me think of um, is it John 16 or John 17 is the high priestly prayer ah uh, I think, 17. In John, it's, there's a, <laughs> I think 17. In John, Jesus has a prayer where he prays for not just the disciples, but all future believers. And so there's an yeah. example of Jesus being an intercessor. But I think the thing that came more to my mind when you were talking about intercession was a high priest of the Old Testament, somebody that's willing to go in the presence mm-hmm. of God at the risk of their own life to... It's 17. To lay down, it's seventeen. John yeah. seventeen. There you go. High priestly prayer, John seventeen. If you want to see Jesus interceding, go read it. The high priests in the Old Testament would go on behalf of the people, mm-hmm. and would you know like Moses the did over son. and over again. Yeah. yeah, and would do that because of their sin. Like he would go in because of their sin and lay down an offering before the Lord, and also to hear what the Lord had for the people, and so this gift of intercession is the way that I think of it is, is they are powerful prayer warriors. Yeah. And it, it, it is, un, it's when they pray for you, you know, something's going to change because of it. And I think this is really high
1: importance because this is also what we call the role of the Holy Spirit. I mm-hmm. mean, we call the Holy Spirit, an intercessor for yeah. us and so like the literal meaning is to plead on behalf of someone mm. if you're in it, you're pleading on their behalf just like the Holy Spirit does for us it, you're an advocate for somebody um, you're also a peacemaker a burden bearer um, those are all things that are like important
0: for this one mm. I think this one in particular makes me think of um, their heart is really in tune to the heart of the Father and so like when it makes me think of David. Like when he goes to pray, he says, God, I am burdened by this and this and this and this and this, but in your great might will you do these things? Yeah. And God does it. And it's just this incredible back and forth, like the the relationship that's built there between the person and God is incredible. And it's not to say that these are the only people that have mm-hmm. incredible relationships with God through their prayer life. They're just supernaturally gifted in the act of intercession for other people,
1: and all of the all spiritual gifts have a danger side, yeah. And that's why I call these last ones a little more wishy washy. Intercessors, like you rarely even see them, yep, you don't know they exist, um, necessarily. Uh, and it's hard to be affirmed as an intercessor because they're going to their prayer closet, yeah. You know, what I mean, like they're not coming out if you have an intercessor who wants to do it in front of the crowds big red flag probably goes out. Yeah, you no know kidding. what I mean? Because that seems a little more like, you know, that's a showy. Full. It's a showy yeah. kind of thing. Look how good I am in order to do this. It's very, uh, very concerning. And yeah. people want to do this in front of other people, but intercessors, uh, may never ever be known, seen, mm. or
0: get any credit.
1: Um, yeah, because they're going
0: to it. their closet, you know? Yeah. I think that makes me think of, uh, when Jesus was talking about when you pray, uh, shut yourself away. Yeah. And then secondly, when he's talking about the two men praying in yeah. the temple, you don't you don't pray like the guy that comes up and yeah. does this big prayer that says, thank you, God, I'm not this guy over here who's yeah. poor and awful. Be like the guy that's poor and awful and says, I have nothing to offer, yeah. but you are so holy. I do think we, now that we've
1: said all that, all these gifts do play, take place in community. I think sometimes intercessors are drawn to other intercessors, mm. and so their community is intercessors. Yeah, and so the recognition that they gain is often in the fact of, um, I've been in your presence when you have prayed for this, and then I've seen this come to pass. Yeah, that's often the you know the recognition, not because you were a demanded audience, but I was just there while you were praying. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Lot lot less flashy for yes. sure, but when you, <laughs> and Man. when the word gets out in the church, like you better
0: believe that everybody's wanting their attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as yeah. I found out a couple people that yeah. were intercessors, they were first on my list. Anytime uh-huh. I had to yeah. speak, anytime I have to speak anywhere, yeah. I text them at least an hour beforehand and say, please, like, yeah. please plead yeah. for me so that when I go up yeah. here, I'm not stupid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Next one, faith.
1: How do we do that one? <laughs> That's a great just Christian word in itself, faith, right? I mean, how do what do we mean spiritually for you have the faith? Um I love some people when they pray they say believing. Believing, believing this to be, believing this to come to pass. Believe. And I yeah. think a lot of faith is are those people who as uh, they pray as they carry their life, they're believing. Yeah. That this is going to happen. You know, all Preachers like to use the example of like you put faith in that chair when you sat down in today. You didn't check each of the legs. You just sat down in it because you had faith that that chair would hold you. And there's something to be said that's a pretty good illustration about like God's going to hold me no matter what. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace. Hey, like our God can deliver us if he wants to. If he doesn't, we still have faith. We still believe because he has the power to and if he wants to, he will. Yeah, and that's a lot of what um, you see from people who really just have a strong faith. Yeah, Um, I don't know the outcome. I have no reason to believe that this is going to happen, other than I believe God can do it, and I believe that He wants to do it. Um, So, in a way, I feel like this is one of the hardest to define. It really is, and the easiest to say. It's just like God's got it, and you don't. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you're totally you know, you'll bet your life on, and you'll bet your life on, God's
0: got it. Yeah. I think it's just this, and especially when we talk about it, it's not like somebody just has this overwhelming sense of optimism. Yes. Actually it is not very, the same as optimism. Yeah. I know some very pessimistic people that are gifted in faith, yeah. and I don't understand it at all, but yeah. they can be pessimistic about anything, but as soon as it comes to a matter of whether we believe that God will do something or not. They're like, no, no, stop. Like you're the one being pessimistic. Let it go. This is, this is cool. I think the first time that I saw it and actually as like a spiritually empowered thing in a person is I think that my wife has this gift because often she'll just say, oh yeah, yeah God's going to do that. And I'm like, how, how can you know that? And lo and behold, a week later he does. And I'm like, That's incredible faith that you acted knowing that God would just do it anyway because you believe in him to be this great father that, you know, he's going to give amazing gifts and you just said, I have faith that you're going to do it and I believe you're going to do it and I'm going to pray in accordance with that and I'm going to walk it out as if you are going to do it. And he he does it. And I don't pretend to understand it, but it's incredible to see somebody with the gift of faith. Like actually walk in the Spirit and use it. Because it's it's a, you know, when the Bible says your faith is beautiful, it really is a beautiful thing to behold, I would say. Yeah, literally the definition is to trust and
1: have confidence in God. Yeah. Um, divine enablement to act on God's promises with confidence and unwavering belief yeah. in God's ability to fulfill anything that He's promised or His purposes.
0: So, it's mm-hmm. good. I think that's good. What about wisdom?
1: Hey, like, anytime I hear this word, I think Old Testament. It's it's funny because I'm like, wisdom sounds like the Proverbs, you know? (laughs) I immediately jump to the Proverbs and I don't think much about New Testament. So let's try to think about this in terms of a spiritual gift.
0: Yeah, I think it gets Um, often tied with knowledge. Yes. I would say let's separate those for a second
2: and talk about them each. But
0: if we... So should we talk about knowledge first or wisdom first? Let's talk about knowledge first. Knowledge right? first. I let's talk about knowledge first. So uh, knowledge is
1: the ability to be able to look at things and immediately kind of know what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you just, it's not that you've learned it and it's not that you've read it in a book. Like let's differentiate that from yes. secular knowledge. Yes. Secular knowledge is I've read it in a book. I've, you know, I have I have learned this.
0: Yes. Totally agree. Sp-
1: supernatural knowledge is the ability to know things that maybe you shouldn't when you're looking at Scripture. And I don't want to say that it's even like, I I don't want to venture much outside of Scripture. Again, we're talking about the ones here that have a wide interpretation for charismatic and Pentecostal friends and everything like that. It's not like, you know, I look at you today and I say... Hey Zach, I've seen the future, and you're, you know, I know that you're going to do this or you're going to do that. Like that's a little Hollywoodish, you know, kind of conjecture. So it's not that that I have the knowledge about this or that, but it's the ability, I think, to kind of look at Scripture and be able to interpret that in a truthful way. Yeah, that I just know this is what that means, or that this is what is meant for this,
0: how this to be used. I think kind of deal. what this makes me think of is when um, Jesus would almost know when people were thinking something that they would never say out loud. That's, that's the first thing I thought of. And I like that. Know what wasn't said out loud. <laughs> I mean, it's just this, yeah. super, uh, like you said, supernatural way of knowing things that maybe they shouldn't know. Maybe, maybe they know how something works that nobody knows how it works. Maybe they know something that's going on with somebody that nobody else knows about, but they just know. Yeah. I would say sometimes people with the gift of mercy are also able of doing this because they can see the one and they can know what they're struggling with and can go and be mm. the support for maybe, that person maybe. in some ways. Like we yeah. said, this is more of a I, wider one. I think a secular word that we often use for this
1: too, we got to be cautious about, is intuition. Mm-hmm. I had an intuition or had a feeling. <laughs> yeah, my gut told me. My <laughs> gut, my intuition, my feeling. Okay, those are all things... You can use, but I don't really want you to associate that. I think with supernatural gift of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, This, you know, my definition is looked at divine enablement to bring truth to the body through a revelation or biblical insight, which Mm -hmm. I would say comes through scripture. Mm-hmm. we we're bringing truth to the body because it's been revealed to us as we read scripture it's been revealed to us as we look at the Bible and we have insight into that and a lot of times I would say this is close to prophecy because it's specific for a time yeah like um i you can read a parable a thousand times, yeah. But you read that same parable on this day, knowing that this is something you're addressing, circumstance that's in your Mm. life, prayer that you've been Mm. praying, whatever. Yeah. And this day, this message comes to somebody who has the gift of knowledge. Mm.
2: And
1: and then it is appropriate in that moment, you know? I mean, and so that is something I think that has a little bit in common with prophecy. Mm. In that sense, in the in the sense of like, it's a revelation yeah. for this moment, this time, this 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 right here, yeah, and now. So, so what about wisdom? How are they different? Yeah, that's hard. You know, like scripturally, immediately we'd say like knowledge is the information and facts, and then wisdom is the ability to know how to use it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's the easy... about. Yeah, know how
1: to use it. And so, what I would say is, it's like, and we do this all the time when we're when we are reading scripture we're asking everyone as you are convicted by things and as you see truth and pr- truth is presented to you how do you respond and how do you apply that to your life mm. wisdom is the ability to know this is how we should respond yeah. and this is how we're going to apply that yeah. um to apply truth practically
2: yeah
1: um there are some things that are, have a tendency in religion to be ethereal to be mm. like high and lifted up, and yeah. and in worship. A lot of times we talk about God's glory, and we talk about His majesty, and we talk about the awe and wonder of who He is. And you're like, wow, that's really great. But what? How does that affect my life? Yeah. Well, like somebody with wisdom would say, like, okay, it is about Him and His glory and everything like that. But it's about your posture and relationship to Him. They mm-hmm. would say, you know, like you're yeah. practically applying that to my life. Like you better be humble and put and realize who you are yeah. in his presence. So um the divine enablement to apply spiritual truth effectively in certain situations and as mm. they're needed. I like and that. so you're like it's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean that's the whole deal. It's like in this moment in this time this is what you got to do. Yeah. You got to act upon that. Like wisdom yeah. would say to like somebody who is like Take, for example, a young person who's called into ministry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, a person with wisdom says, like, how you're called into ministry. Number one, I'm going to, like, listen to your calling. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I'm going to say these are the steps. Like, we're going to start working towards this calling. We're not just going to say, I'm called. No, we're going to say, practically, how are we going to enable you to be follow on that calling? Yeah. And how are you going to be able And a wise person says, like, this is a way you know this is a thing which let's baptize administrator Mm -hmm. a little bit remember we talked about prophets and and how that's closely tied to knowledge yeah like i think wisdom is closely tied to administrator administration is like here's Mm. the steps here's the like process this is this is rubber meets the road like how are we going to do that um for somebody maybe in the gifts of a mercy, you said, that's drawn mm-hmm. to somebody who has addictions or drawn to somebody who has something in their life. Like mm. the wise person yeah. says, like, this is how we control those addictions. This is stepwise. These are the steps we're going to take to eradicate this from your life yeah. so that you're not hindered by that anymore. Their wisdom sees it through. And it also is like continually turned to scripture
2: mm-hmm. and
1: not just... You know, Voodooism or second, you know, like I get down on the church a little times when it comes to um, self help. Yeah, like we're really big in the church today about self help. How can you, how can you help me solve the sin in my life? Well, the truth is, you can't solve the sin in your right. life. Only God can solve the sin in your life. Yeah, He's the only answer for that. Yeah, and wisdom has the ability to to allow God to work in your life. And they say, hey, this is how you allow God to do that and how you allow God to work. It isn't your work Mm. that's going to do that. We don't work out our salvation necessarily by what we do. We work out our salvation by realizing who he is and his principles and his power.
0: Yeah. One of the things I thought of when you were talking about the definition of wisdom, um, when Jesus is talking about how precious heaven is and he uses the parable saying like, the guy that found a an incredible treasure in the middle of the field, and he sold yeah. everything he had to buy yeah. the field, and telling us that like it is worth more than everything you have combined. Yeah. Just to catch a glimpse of it, just to hold it in your hands for a yeah. time, and mm-hmm. and I think that that was him showing us what that wisdom looks like. It's not like you said. It's not like this is what you do with knowledge. It's like, a, let's walk this out. Let's understand this is how we move forward. Like your awe of heaven should cause you to understand the value of all the things that you have right now. Yeah. You know, money becomes very less valued when you realize that streets are paved with gold where we're (laughs) headed. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I love that definition of wisdom. I think sometimes we would see somebody that's a good leader is also wise. Like you said, a good administrator would be wise because they would know steps in order to move forward. I think... um, I think... So in some churches, we'll see, you know, like you said, this generation is getting better about like a teaching pastor and a lead pastor and those are different things. Mm -hmm. And like one is particularly gifted in leading and shepherding and administrating and the other one's particularly gifted in teaching and preaching. And so the one that's gifted in leadership and shepherding and administration is usually also a wise person that's walking. The
1: sure. World. And I would say the body of Christ, again, getting to Corinthians, which is also in Corinthians, Paul, talking about the body of Christ. Yeah. Like we don't need everybody to be an eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> and what I would yeah. say with the gifts that we're talking about today in particular, churches tend to do birds of a feather stick together. <laughs> so you you typically have a tendency to be drawn To the church, we're going to get to tongues in a minute, but I mean, people that have the gift of tongues usually want to go to a tongue speaking church. Yeah. Whereas other people kind of shun that a little bit, especially kind of freak out a little bit. Baptist (laughs) life, we're like, yeah, it's great for you to go join the tongue speaking. (laughs) church. Yeah, go away. You scare me. (laughs) Well, right, and so like we have a tendency to to identify more with people that are like us. But if if your church is constructed of out of all the spiritual gifts,
0: a one gift.
1: Woo, it's not the body.
0: No, it's it's not, not the body in it's the not. best way that it needs to work together. I know of churches that are particularly saturated with teachers, and it is probably the most theologically fat thing I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they know this stuff, but yeah. man, they have no concept of how to live it, how to walk it out, Sometimes, how to, yeah. like, you know, get on the treadmill a little bit. Yeah. So I think. Um, I, I totally, I see that. I see places that need the fullness of the body and all of the things. And so what about as we move forward into, because um, we talked about knowledge, we talked about wisdom. What about healing? That's one that's particularly mentioned in a couple yeah, places. Yeah, healing immediately. I think we feel like we can define this
1: one. Um, it's like somebody who prays over somebody and they healed. And yeah. what the literal meaning is to restore instantaneously. Yeah. So it's not... We labored and we prayed for months on end and they were delivered or whatever like yeah. that. But it's like I prayed over them and instantly it was solved. Yep. So it's this instantaneous idea um, that literally in the scripture it's healings, who has the gift of healings, which mm. means there's like more than one. It isn't yeah. just a specific of kind of thing. But um, there's also, you know... This is good fitting into our modern concept today. There's different kinds of healings that need to take place. Not all of them are physical. Immediately, Mm -hmm. that's what we think. Physical, I'm sick. You prayed, I'm healed. But there's emotional healing that takes place. There's relationship healing, healing between relationships. There's spiritual healing that needs to take place because sometimes we hold grudges against God, the one who saved us. You know I mean? So, like, it's all those kind of healings. It's not just one.
0: Yeah, and I think this one in particular... We don't see a ton in, well, at least in Baptist right. world, we don't right. see a ton of that one. And I, I think the, the more people I hear that talk about seeing this one are, are missionaries that are other right. places. Um, and I think that because of that, you know, I'm curious, is that kind of like a, a fearfulness that we have about being willing to be humiliated if, if we're not gifted in yeah. that? than praying over somebody well i do think that healing. sometimes we don't pray because we really don't think we don't have the
1: faith that god's going to actually answer our prayer mm. i'll just be honest with you on that i i think that's true but i also think that this is one of the ones that's a casualty of modern of a modern life of modern life we don't pray as much for healing because we have doctors we don't pray as much for healing because we have medicine we don't pray as much for healing because we had counselors. Yeah. And I want to stress with this spiritual gift, and that's the word instantaneous, there is a pessimism that's developing in the modern church and postmodern church against gifts like healing. Yeah. And our pessimism is we've got ways to solve that on our own.
0: Yeah.
1: Um whereas really I think as God's believers, we should be turning to him first and Those situations. And so I think that's this is is a spiritual gift that is almost a casualty of the modern world. But in the non-modern world, you still see this gift working. Yeah. And people
0: being active with it. Yeah, totally agree. So how is this one different than the next one, which is miracles? Yeah. Um, Miracles, like, wish we could see them
1: every day. (laughs) Literal meaning is to do powerful deeds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Often miracles, I think, I don't know that it was timely, but it was often linked with apostleship, which is also a spiritual gift, but that's somebody mm-hmm. who begins things, a beginner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why were the miracles that Jesus worked done in the scriptures? He said, so that you'll believe. Mm-hmm. So miracles are done so that powerful deeds... That are done so that you are going to believe in Jesus yeah. Christ. It's all about pointing back to it's Jesus. It's all about all pointing back. It's not the benefit of the miracle. I mean, there is times in scriptures like I am blown away if you read carefully. There are times in scripture where Jesus was willing to pass people by. Yeah, he was not going to heal them unless they, you know, they called out to him and then he went over. But before he was going to go right on his way. Yeah. You see that multiple times in the scripture. And the reason wasn't because he didn't have compassion. He was not compassionate. He had all the compassion in the world. He's God. Yeah. But the reason was he did his miracles and powerful deeds so that people would believe. Yeah. And that's also why he did them in front of people, so that people would believe. And I would say the gift of miracles is often in front of people. Mm-hmm. And it's often followed immediately by a presentation of the gospel. Yeah. To say, like, God did this and you need to surrender your life to god yeah you need you need to do that i think we have to be careful though a lot of times about what we pray because so many of our prayers are super selfish Mm -hmm. and so many of our desires for miracles are super selfish yeah and i don't want to say that's why god doesn't do more miracles for us but i do think it has a lot to do with how we ask and our motivation behind what we ask scripture tells us we should ask in Jesus' name, believing, and I mean, He wants to grant those things, but so many times our motivations are personal and not for the presentation of the gospel. Yeah,
0: I think in humility, n- <laughs> I, I we studied that, and when we talked about it, on our podcast prayer prayers, confident humility. Yeah, it's that you know, Hebrews, 4, uh, I think it's four sixteen, where it talks about I will approach the throne of grace, mm-hmm. you know, with confidence yeah. for help in my time of need. And I think that, to some extent, as believers, we have lost that confidence in approaching the throne. And I wonder if, if it's because we're afraid of looking stupid. I think a lot of times it's pride. Yeah, yeah, we are afraid.
1: Um, yeah. So I will say that with the miracles too. Like I do. Of course, I could I could be swayed. Maybe one way. I think a lot of ways. I think miracles are worked. I feel like by the prompting of the Holy Spirit rather than the prompting of us. Mm. So many times I feel like why we're not willing to take the risk is we haven't been prompted by the Holy Spirit. I think Mm. probably God or Jesus was God. But I think many times Jesus was prompted like, hey, feed these 5,000 so that they will give God glory and believe in him. You know what I mean? Like, I think he probably knew that. Whereas it it wasn't just a
0: motivation of, hey, I want to feed 5,000 people. Won't that be cool?
2: Yeah you know yeah,
0: yeah no okay. kidding i think that a lot of times you know we we can get away from that idea when mm-hmm. we're talking about especially this set in particular that it is for the name of jesus to be proclaimed and and when we want to see a healing we need to make sure it's yeah. not just because i need rid of this doubt in me it's yeah. like I, it's because the name of jesus needs to be proclaimed if this person is healed maybe they'll yeah. Believe in Jesus. I don't know, you know, and we can't go in with a manipulative mindset. But yeah. at the same time, I think you're dead on in saying like we need to listen to the promptings of the Spirit to do this. I, you know, we can even say when you're preaching or when you're teaching, sometimes you think of things and ways to say things that you didn't previously practice. And I think that that is exactly the same thing. It's a prompting of the Spirit to say something mm-hmm. that has just been given to you, and it's not this. You know, it's not this. I'm so intuitive. It's like a, Yeah. I need to be humble enough to realize that I am not the center of the universe here. I need to get out of the way and let the king be seen more more than me. Yeah. In an instance like this, and so part of me thinks, you know, we see less healings and miracles and things of that nature today because of that. And I think, I think that God particularly protects. Miracles. I say that because um, I I think that a baby being born is a miracle. I do. Yeah, that's a good point. And so he supernaturally provides and protects around any time a baby is born. I don't pretend to understand it, but I can point to you seven or eight different instances in my life where I've seen supernatural protection and incredible things occur around the birth of a baby. And so... Without a doubt, it's a miracle. Yeah. If you've been in in there and seen it happen, it's a miracle. So, when that occurs, I think there is a protection around it, and I'm curious if I can take that and put it on other things and say, I think He has a particular protection around it. Yeah. That unless He deems it is time for it to happen, it is not going to happen. Yeah. Just like somebody is not going to get pregnant of their own volition. Like it is the Lord's yeah willingness of them yeah, secular people get pregnant too yes as well as christian people you know so
1: yes. i see exactly what you're saying and i think for perhaps what we're missing here is just even another word for miracle because i do think that they're uh, baby being born as a miracle you're taking breath every minute you don't think about your heart beating yeah. you don't think about your lungs filling i mean it just happens that's a miracle like and anytime you're faced with life and death situations and you're faced with those kind of things then suddenly you realize it i mean even the placement uh louis giglio does a great job talking about the placement of the earth from the sun and how we're just right for life to exist yeah. and how you know like there're billions of planets and and suns and solar systems yeah. and all that stuff but yet we have this supernatural miracle yeah. of earth where we live. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's that greater picture sense of God the orchestrator of the universe and creator of all life. Mm-hmm. Miracle. And then I think specifically when we talk about the the gift of miracles, mm-hmm. we're talking about I'm going to do something that defies natural yeah. laws. Yeah. Agreed. And God is going to honor that instantaneously. Yeah. Like, you should have died. That's a good
0: separation of terms. Yeah. I like that. You should have died. Yeah.
1: But somebody prayed over you and you lived. Yeah. In a car accident, you should have died. You know, that kind of deal. But then there's also the fact of like, I'm going to do this healing. I'm going to do this act so that I can pretend, present the gospel.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that was a really good separation. I think that especially in English we use a lot of similar words for similar things, sure, sure. and what we mean is this like awe striking experience yeah. that occurs. And I think that it, both of them are God powered infused yeah. situations, but I think that you're right. A gift of miracles is often instantaneous in a moment to preach the gospel. It's an opportunity yeah. for the gospel to go out. Yeah. So. As we move into the last one, the last one we'll talk about, I want to preface this before we go into this one, not because this one's particularly hard to deal with. There are more than we went over or that we will go over. There is no way that we could fully know how many there are. I think we love to make tests and lists based off of those tests so that we can kind of put it into a box that we can understand better. And the problem with that is, is that you can't put God or anything he does into a box. because right. That's right. <laughs> he's, he's way too good and way too big yeah. for that. Uh, so please know that there are more than just these. We did our best with what yeah. we saw as most clearly defined. Mm-hmm. And there are more that are not as clearly defined. And I would also
1: say, like, so my Baptist background shows when I talk about these gifts Um, If that's not your religious background, then you may look at them differently. And I would also say that um, uh, we're influenced by um, the church that we go to and the mindset that uh, individual churches have. And that influences a lot about the number of gifts you might have and the interpretation. Because I'm definitely having a specific interpretation. And as we go into this last one, we're going to be talking specific interpretations of what that is. Yeah.
0: So. So this last one is the gift of tongues. And so what does that look like? Does that mean you're born with two tongues? What does that even mean? (laughs) I'm just kidding. So what does this mean? All right. I'm going to pause a little bit because I've not got a lot of time. So we're going to go quick.
1: But um, when we talk about tongues in the Bible, people, this is the one that is open, I think, to the most interpretation. It's probably the one that people are most fearful of as well. Uh, Literally, it explains itself. Tongue means a language. Mm-hmm. It's what you speak. Uh, biblically, we see this happen when uh, all the people are there at Pentecost, and Peter goes out and explains to them what has happened, the deliverance of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and they each hear Peter in their own language. Yeah. So in other words, if you were... They didn't have French back then, I guess, but... You know, if you're French, you heard it in French. If you're Spanish, you heard it in Spanish. And if you're English, you heard it in English. And if you're Hebrew, you heard it in Hebrew. You know what I mean? Like, if you're Greek, you heard it in Greek. So that's what we're talking about here. And some people would say that tongues is is angel language, glossolalia. Uh, And this is a language that is spoken in heaven. And so if you Mm -hmm. have the gift of tongues, you're actually speaking a language that is heaven, uh, that is found in heaven and not found anywhere on earth, which means there aren't people here that speak it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but if you're a citizen of heaven then you would understand it
2: mm-hmm.
1: you could do that um, the, one of the gifts that Paul lists is the translation of tongues yeah. so in other words if you speak them you have to have somebody who translates it and mm-hmm. says this is what's happening if people don't understand it so um, you know as Southern Baptists we're a little limited mm-hmm. in what we say tongues are we we actually think um, and we haven't talked about this for other things We actually think that some gifts were given at the beginning in the planting of the church that were necessary, but aren't necessarily carried out in huge practicality today because they're not as necessary as when the church was being expanded and founded. Mm. Um, I'll just kind of leave that there. You know, some people say this is not, no longer a spiritual gift that is necessary
0: or needed or or whatever. (laughs) No, I thought it was good. I think that (laughs) it's... it's in particular, I think it's like what you said. There's a couple of different ways you can go about it, but if it's in the tongues of angels, there is a interpretation to it. If it's in the tongues of men, it's so that somebody else can understand it. And it's just, and that's that's literally what it is. And I think that there is basis for this, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament, because God that is the God that can confuse the languages is the one that can untangle yeah. them as well. You know, yeah. and that's a good way to put it is He's the giver of the languages. Yeah. Um,
1: this gift in particular, I think, was given a little bit for the showiness of it. Um, in other words, it attracted a little bit of a crowd. Mm-hmm. Like when people were speaking in something they didn't understand, uh, and somebody's able to interpret that, there was an attractiveness to that, which is why I think it is kind of like one of the foundational spiritual gifts that was for the planting mm-hmm. of the church and, and other things like that. So uh all the rest of the stuff Paul says isn't too flashy. This was flashy, mm-hmm. and so um, people kind of craved it. Like, hey, who, yeah. you know, audience, it ranked audience right? Yeah. Audience appeal, allure. You know, like at me, I've got this kid, and Paul greatly warned against that, which is yeah. why Baptists like heated that message and were like, "Ooh, we gotta crank down." Yeah, <laughs> not like we're, but we're a little more scared of that because yeah. we don't know exactly what to do with that. Um, I, you know, what I would say is like use the gift of discernment in saying whether this is something real or whether this is something made out sometimes some of the yeah. things that go along with speaking in tongues are not founded biblically i'll give an yeah. example of like being slain in the spirit that's the kind of benny hen idea where i pop you on the head and you fall to the ground yeah we don't have biblical examples of that happening that that's not found in the bible um but there's examples of people like rolling around on the ground or jumping pews or different stuff like that as a way of worship. And that's often associated with this too. And and Paul spoke out against like, he's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. And it, actually in speaking tongues, he's like, all of you just can't, it's not a three-ring circus. Worship is not a three-ring circus. Mm-hmm. Instead, like let people speak one at a time so that people may get the valued message. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about this gift, we have to think about what is the message that is being received, yeah. and oftentimes what I feel like it is, and from the experiences that I've read more about than seen, and in cases, really just worship of God, like Hallelujah and praise the Lord, and mm-hmm. those words which we know what they mean, um, would be people worshiping in, yeah. in tongues. And so, for that, I can value it. Like I, I think there's a lot of freedom in worshiping God. I want yeah. you to worship God, but I also think you got to be really put it in check the flashiness of it, and yeah, yeah. who's who's getting the glory here.
0: Yeah, and I think, yeah. like you said, Paul was particularly good about saying, like, I would rather speak five words that resonate yeah. with everybody in the room instead of being flashy and, and, like, exude this gift, but in, in doing so, he was like, I, I know, I, I have this gift. I speak it all the time, he said, but I would rather not have it at all just so I can speak the gospel bold right. and true and so people can hear it. I think when I think of this gift in particular, I have only ever seen one time ever in my life that I have had somebody speak it and somebody interpret it. And yeah. when that truly happens, it's a powerful thing. But when it's not, it's just void because nobody understands yeah. it and it's just I I don't I I don't feel encouraged by it if there's not both parts to it. And and that's a real good point here too. Like we as believers have the
1: Holy Spirit living within us. And a part of the reason why a lot of times we're kind of skeptical of this um, is because when a spiritual gift is shown, yes, there can be some excitement and created around that. But if there is fear created in that moment and there's a lot of confusion created in that moment and there's a lot of questioning and other things like that, then you have to kind of say, is this really of God or is this of Mm -hmm. another spirit? And so I think this is often one of those cases where it's hard to say that this is a great spiritual gift and that everybody has it when there are so many people who are Christians and I believe are Christians, but have problems with it too. Yeah. And so, you know, cause I'm listening to the Holy spirit in, in me. Mm-hmm. And if the Holy spirit in me become super uncomfortable in worship or other things like that, I have to say like, hmm, like I'm questioning this pretty yeah. seriously yeah. and not in a judgmental sort of way. Like, my um, Holy Spirit in me is a lot better than the Holy Spirit in you. I'm I'm saying let's take the judgmentalness out of it, but say what is your s- heart saying? What is your soul mm. saying? The Holy yeah. Spirit within you saying? Yeah. So I totally I
0: agree. Well, it. guys, thank you for listening to our second episode on this, um, all about all the different spiritual gifts. Thank you for hanging with us. I hope some of this resonated with you and you can use this as a tool to kind of talk more about it with friends and family and things as we go into this holiday season. We love you guys. Merry Christmas. Hey, bye everybody.